The Petting Zoo, part three. When he was a kid, Johnson liked to throw twigs into a web just to see the spider's reaction. Invariably, after pouncing on the object, the spider would pluck it out of the web and turn it over and drop it on the ground. Johnson hoped that this spider would show the same lack of interest. From its vantage point at the other end of the barn, the creature seemed puzzled, unsure of itself. Spiders are cautious, he told himself. It's waiting for me to make the next move. Although every fibre in his body screamed run, his brain told him stay still. The spider was too big and too fast to outrun. I need a weapon, he told himself. Quickly, looking about, he saw the rotten board from the window lying at his feet. It was about two feet long, with a jagged point at one end. It'll have to do. Slowly, he bent down to pick it up. The spider crouched low, like a sprinter, ready to strike again. Johnson froze, his fingers only inches from the board. Easy, girl, he whispered softly. Easy. The spider relaxed, but not completely. Deliberately, it began to move forward. Tap, tap, tap. Johnson was amazed by the creature's grace. Like a ballerina tiptoeing in from the darkened wings of a theatre, it was a marvel of beauty and design. The body, covered by fine grey hair, had the look of velvet, while its eight legs that extended from the thorax provided speed and balance. As it approached Johnson, the spider carefully extended one foreleg towards him. Johnson quickly knocked it away with his hand. The creature stopped and cocked its plate-side head to one side. The eight eyes looked like black fists, and then the leg came forward again. At the tip, Johnson could see the spike-like claw for catching prey. It touched his left shoulder. Through his jacket, he could feel the sharp point digging into his skin. Johnson winced and stepped backwards into the wall, but there was no place to go. Slowly, the other foreleg came forward. Johnson recoiled, trying to ward off the attack with his free arm, but the creature was too strong. It brushed his arm aside as if it was a piece of lint and planted a second claw into his other shoulder. Johnson cried out, Help! Help! And then the spider reared up on its hind legs, forcing Johnson to his knees. For a brief moment, he and the creature looked into each other's eyes. It was almost like love. And then he saw the six-inch fangs that extended from the head. Drops of venom gleamed in the half-light. He watched in fascination as the cruel daggers arched high over him. And then he screamed as they plunged deeply into his chest. Instantly, white-hot pain ripped through his body. And then it was gone. The spider had retreated back to the storm. Johnson knew that he only had a minute or two before the poison paralyzed him. This is it! He said to himself, My only chance? Ignoring his wounds, Johnson turned back to the window, grabbing at the board he yanked and pulled to no avail. Already, the venom was having its effect. His hands were numb, 
and his arms felt like lead. Grasping for air, he threw himself at the boards again and again, but it was no use. He was beaten. Great sobs shook his body as he slumped to the floor. This can't be happening to me, he protested. This is ridiculous. Looking back at the spider, he could see that it had still not moved. What is she waiting for? He wondered. Why doesn't she finish me off? He soon had his answer. Shimmering like a great overcoat, there was something on the spider's back. It moved and undulated like a small wave flowing back and forth. And then a piece of the wave pulled away and dropped to the floor. It was another spider, only a lot smaller, about the size of a rat. Johnson remembered that some spiders carry their young on their backs. Horrified, he realized that he had stumbled into their nursery, and it was feeding time. Another one dropped to the floor, and then another, and soon there was a long line of spiders slowly crawling towards him. Through fading eyesight, he saw the first one reach his foot. Tentatively, its foreleg probed the air until it found his leg and patted it. It was light and delicate like the touch of a child. Johnson opened his mouth to scream, but no sound came. The last thing Johnson saw before he lost consciousness was a spider Back at the farmhouse, the old man picked up a whiskey bottle from the kitchen table and poured himself a drink and sat down on the sofa. How long did it take? asked the old woman. Oh, not long, he grunted. They haven't it since Sunday. We'd better get a sign and attract more folks. Nah, the sign's okay. Anyway, we don't need a crowd, said the old man, taking a long, hard swallow. What are you going to do with this car? She asked, standing at the window, admiring the now ownerless Lexus. Oh, I hear young Dougie needs one for running booze. He's willing to pay a good price too, said the old man. Won't he ask questions? Wondered the old woman, pouring a drink and easing herself down onto a dusty chair. <laughs> nah, he doesn't care, snickered the old man. I'll give him a call tomorrow. Anyway, pass the remote. I want to see what's on the TV. You have just listened to The Petting Zoo. Originally written by Peter de Niverville. Sound designed by Justin Graham. Performed by Alastair Macmillan. We hope you've enjoyed this short story. Brought to you by Immersive.